You are listening to the Reroute Safety Podcast, Episode 7. On this week's episode, we talked with Royal Trut's Head of Marketing, Samantha Schwartz, and Government Relations, Fred Birdstresser. Samantha handles everything in the marketing department from brand management to search engine optimization, with a key focus on educating the customer. Fred gives tots all across the U.S. with a focus on autonomous TMAs and being drivers home safe to their families. In this week's episode, we are looking into the future of work zones by talking about what Royal Truck is currently producing, both in the autonomous TMA world and in virtual reality training. But first, I have some big news for you guys. As of today, the Reroute Safety Podcast is now on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and TuneIn. And of course, uh, SoundCloud as well. If we're still not reaching you on your preferred platform, please tweet me at Reroute Safety or fill out the form on our website, RoutesAfety.com. That's re r e route r o u t e safety s a f e t y dot com. Now, enjoy this amazing episode. Samantha, Fred, welcome to the show. Well, today we we're going to be talking about a couple really exciting things. Um, you guys are on my short list of people that I absolutely had to interview this year. Uh, today we'll be talking about autonomous TMAs and virtual reality training. So, for the folks who don't know about it yet, uh, give us kind of the you know short elevator pitch for the autonomous TMAs. So uh, I'll let Fred speak on this as well. It's his main passion here at Royal. So. Uh, Royal kicked off and had our first demo of the autonomous TMA truck back in August of 2015. The reason that we chose to go autonomous is super simple. Uh, in layman's terms, why would you have a guy driving a 20,000-pound truck whose only job is to get hit by errant vehicles? It makes no sense. Who would want that job in the entire world? And the people that have that job are superheroes. So when we partnered with our military technology company, uh, Kratos Defense Systems, they thought the same exact thing. So we worked, have been working on that over the last probably three years now, full-on development to just make this job safer in America. So Fred, I don't know if you want to add anything. Yeah, so the, like Sam said, the main thing is to get the driver out of this vehicle that's designed to be hit. And so this is uh, a TMA truck. Uh, that has an autonomous mode is just using obviously in mobile maintenance operations. So any operation that's a slow moving operation on a high speed highway where the guys really need protection is where we have an ATMA. So that could be behind a line painting truck, uh, behind a crack ceiling truck, behind uh, a cone setting procedure, anything that's slow speed on a high speed highway is a lot of danger. So we're trying to get the driver out of that vehicle because they don't get hit by just little cars and uh, scooters, they get hit by 80,000-pound tractor trailers going 65, 70 miles an hour. So that's a high-mass, high-speed situation that can cause a lot of damage, not just to the vehicle, but to the driver of that vehicle. So the other thing that it does is re it removes human error and uh, human instinct from the equation. So if, you look in, if you're a TMA driver and you're looking behind you and you see a tractor trailer coming at you with no signs of stopping, 70 miles an hour, what's your first instinct? Get, get the heck out of the way. And we've seen this on videos with our trucks where we have cameras and black box recorders in all of our trucks, most of the trucks that we sell. So we have videos of this actually happening of people trying to 
drivers and teammate trucks trying to get out of the way. If you have an autonomous, that won't happen. So if somebody gets out, they get out of the way, it leaves their crew unprotected, and we don't want that to happen. Um, it also reduces human error by uh, having the shadow vehicle, the protection vehicle, autonomous truck, follow at the prescribed distance from the vehicle it's protecting. So if it gets hit, it needs a certain roll-ahead distance so it doesn't impact the vehicle it's protecting. So a human driver, out in Colorado, they did tests on this with the autonomous truck. The human driver is all over the place. They can't really judge the distance as accurately as an autonomous truck. So it, you can prescribe the exact distance that you want and have that have the autonomous vehicle follow it flawlessly. So that's that's basically it in a nutshell. So Matt, uh, uh, or Ben, sorry, a fun statistic uh, for listeners, not super fun, but WorksOnSafety.org put out that there are currently 750 deaths a year in work zones. So that number is so unbelievably staggering. You think if one you know, airplane of 750 passengers goes down in flames, the entire country stops, pauses, figure out what happened and what went wrong. But when you have such an issue like this and the dangers and people are getting more distracted on the highway, we have to do something to change and to make these situations safer, like Fred was talking about. Well, absolutely. And, and uh, Fred's point, too, I know for a long time there was a uh, uh, a myth going around the industry that uh, you need to turn your turn your wheels away from the people that you are protecting, um, so that the TMA would go off the road or it would go somewhere other than than into the work zone. But in reality, having that that stop distance, having that roll ahead distance, was really the safest way to do it. And really, just having that uh, uh, making autonomous really does put in that. Um, level of, of security, the highest level of security that we can know, know to have, essentially. Right, right. Yep. That's a good point. So the, the first demo program you did in, in Colorado, is that right? We actually did the first demo in August of 2015 here in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. In okay. the parking lot, yep, uh, in a parking lot we had... A lot of reporters there. We had the mayor of Bethlehem. We had a lot of, uh, you know, officials. We had our congressmen. And it was pretty neat, the support we got that next morning when we woke up. And it had been retweeted, you know, 300,000 times and shared on Facebook and went international. And even we had union officials, you know, truck driver unions contacting us to say that what we're doing, they want to support. So it was pretty, it was pretty awesome. Well, so how how long have you guys been working on this this now? About a year before we did our first demo, um, they started to do testing to do uh, an upfit with the technology. So, say since 2015, so I guess almost four years. Yeah. Well, excellent. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was actually, um, well, it was about three years ago is the first time I was like, this has to happen. We have to have autonomous TMAs. And uh, I think it was a couple months after that I heard you guys were working on it. Um, f- from what I understand, this is this is fully autonomous. Is that is that correct? So it's a uh, it's yes. it's the same as the the Ubers and the Teslas and the um, right. whatever else is going after. Right. There's a little difference in that uh, those are uh, vehicles that are driving around independently. This is a leader-follower configuration, so it's kind of a hybrid, where you have a lead vehicle 
which would be the, say in Colorado, the paint truck, and then the following vehicle would be the ATMA, autonomous truck, and it just follows the exact footprint of the lead vehicle. So it's not going around by itself, but it's following exactly what the lead vehicle does as far as speed, heading, um, location. Um, so it, it doesn't rely on any infrastructure improvements or outside signals except for the signals from the lead vehicle. And that it gets 10 times a second, the lead vehicle relays the, vehicle, the uh, position, heading, um, location back to the following vehicle 10 times a second. So that's the only uh, connections it has. It, it doesn't use LIDAR, it doesn't use anything else. It, it has a radar sensor in the front of it for obstacle detection, but other than that, uh, that's it. Well, so uh, speaking of that, um, I have to know, this has been something I've been curious about, is how, how does it navigate the beginning of tapers? So, if, for, for example, a, a cone truck setting out an arrow board and then doing the taper, how does it navigate uh, going through that taper without taking out a bunch of cones? Um, well, I'm not an expert at all on highway procedures, but this this vehicle can be driven auton driven manually and also used autonomously. So uh, the highway department or maintenance crews can set up to use this vehicle any way they like. They could come into the situation in a manual mode and then put it in autonomous mode when it's in a position to to do a whole line of, uh, of cones. So then how it's interesting how it follows i was in london in april of last year we have a truck over there and then we have one now live here in colorado in the states so they were doing testing on a track and it's pretty incredible when we were sitting in the autonomous truck and it was following um you know maybe 150 feet behind that leader vehicle and they had a ton of cones out and the leader vehicle is going in and out of those cones so it is right now and Fred, correct me if i'm wrong plus minus three or four inches, mm -hmm. I think it might even be less, that it will follow that leader vehicle. So if it's going around the cone, it's going to go exactly around the cone. It knocked down nothing, and it was like <laughs> right at following on the path. It was really neat. Or if you're painting lines, it does not hit the line. No, it yeah. Um, and so it's going to follow that exact path of that leader vehicle. Well, and that's where a lot of these uh, rear-end collisions take place, too, is in the uh, the painting, the moving, the rolling closures with, with the painters and the uh, sweepers, and um, those type of closures seem to get hit the most, not the ones that are set up in a, in a set location. And the ones that are set up in a set location, you know, you, you, you don't want to hang out there for eight hours inside the truck, waiting, just, you know, sitting there waiting to get hit. Um, yeah, and it's not if, it's when. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. That's a huge pain point. I know that Fred's hearing from a lot of DOTs um, is these rear-end collisions and how the percentage is just increasing. Sweeping operations are just getting really dangerous. So it's the small things no one's thinking about right now that are actually becoming even more dangerous as drivers are more distracted. That's right. Yeah, I knew a, a, a guy – with an outfit down in um, Texas, and he was saying that it's pretty predictable that they'll at least get three TMAs hit every year, which is a pretty shocking statistic just for a, a you know construction contractor, let alone a DOT. Yeah, 
Isn't that wild? And so here's another story for you. Uh, one of my favorites, I ended up meeting the owner of this construction company, but the funny part is we were at Con Expo last year, and I started telling this story, and the guy at the end of it looks at me and goes, that's my story. I own the company. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was wild. So what happened was he was, he was in an operation. His TMA truck ended up getting hit, but it was so bad that they had the driver of the TMA truck had to get care flighted out. So what he was saying was he had about 13 men in that work zone at the time. The owner obviously had to come to the scene because it was so bad. The driver ended up getting seriously injured. He did not die. Um, the driver of the vehicle that hit also did not die, but very serious injury, also had to be care flighted out. So what happened was the construction owner and our owner, Rob Roy, told me this story had to look around at his crew literally that night as the helicopter's flying away and say, who wants to drive the TMA truck tomorrow? And literally they looked at like not even one person. And, you know, he's got guys saying, and, and then he tells me even more detail where one of the men looked at him and said, I got four kids at home. And he told me how he has to constantly recruit to bring people on his crew that do not know the horror stories of TMA trucks just so he can get drivers. That's that's sad. Yeah, I mean, nobody nobody wants to be in the driver's seat, but even more so, I mean, you know, nobody wants to say, okay, you're going to be the one that's going to be on the plate today. Like, you know, yes. nobody wants to put their employees in that position. No, they don't, and that's what Fred is continuously hearing from the Department of Transportation is they just want to get their employees out of these these dangerous situations. <clears throat> I was talking to one DOT leader. Uh, yesterday, and he said his vision is to get a ATMA behind every sweeper truck, every paint truck. The next two to five years, they will have their whole fleet uh, filled with ATMAs protecting those vehicles. Amazing, amazing. Yeah. That's wonderful. That's 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 amazing news. Yeah. <clears throat> well, so uh, are there any other? So it, it follows a lead vehicle directly. Is there a way to have? Um, for like a multi-lane closure, can you have multiple TMAs in separate lanes following one vehicle, or does it have to have a specific vehicle for each TMA? Um, that's kind of in development at this point. We're developing uh, an area where we could have an offset of a vehicle and possibly multiple offsets, um, like they do in the military where they do platooning, mm -hmm. uh, resupply out to the front lines. They they have vehicles without drivers and just one driver with a number of vehicles. So we're looking into that, having an offset to use with um, mowing operations along the highways where they have a very slow-moving mower uh, on the fast lane highway. Um, and that could also be used in multiple lane closures or uh, other similar instances. But that's still in the development. This is all very new, and we're, we're adding capabilities uh, as we go, and we're partnering up with different states, uh, like Missouri is doing a two-year study with uh, the ATMA and working out uh, new new avenues of growth uh, applications using this. So um, being developed is the answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, so let, me, let me get your predictions a little bit. Um, I understand that right now it is a, a follow vehicle, but when do you think – in, in the future, when do you think that, uh, or how long do you think it will take for nobody to even get in the driver's seat? So, 
the the guys get into the the sweeper or the uh, striping, you know, uh, trucks, and then they take off, and the TMA just follows them from the yard, and then at the end of the day, the TMA follows them back to the office. Um, how long do you think that that's going to be take that will take? I mean, I if I could answer real quick, Fred, I don't. If we look at root cause of why we would be doing anything, um, if if you actually really honestly answer that question, I don't think there's a need for that because the TMA's job is to protect you while you're on the highway. So the driver, you know, we don't want him to lose his job. He's going to end up still driving that TMA truck out to the work zone, where then is the TMA job need to start, okay? Because you're not, you know, if you're in back roads and you're in residential areas and you're things like that, that's not really the TMA's job, right? They're going out to the work zone. So that guy can get out and continue his job and not sit there and wait to be hit, you know, in a truck that's meant to be hit. So I don't, right now I don't think the conversation has been had because it's not really the root cause of what we're solving for. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that too. The, uh, if, even if you look at when they get out of the autonomous vehicle, to make, start making an autonomous, the guy initiates the system, gets out of the vehicle, and goes to the lead vehicle and monitors the autonomous vehicle. That's a point of danger for that person. So that the DOT or maintenance crew foreman has to decide when they want that person to exit the autonomous vehicle. So it's on a back road prior to getting into the main highway. I'm not sure, but they, that's probably a thing that they're considering. Yeah. Well, so you're saying that you use one radar system. Is, is your system mostly uh, computer vision as far no, as... Um, it's, it's all based on GPS. It's military-grade GPS, RTK technology, real-time kinematics. Um, it's only GPS, not no uh, vision system at all. Okay. Okay. Wow. Um, well, then let's, let's switch over to the vision system. Let's talk about your... Uh, Virtual reality training systems. Um, to me, this is well. This is happening in in all the industries. Um, what are some of the programs that you guys? Or actually, before we go into that, virtual reality is for the the folks listening. Uh, virtual reality is when you put on a headset. It's like an immersive experience, so you can look all around you. Um, it's a three D experience, and uh, there's training systems for for all the fields right now. There. They have train systems for doctors, and um, they already have you know train systems for crane operators and other construction industry operators. Uh, what are some of the, the the train programs that you guys are working on right now, and um, what kind of success have you seen with them? Um, the the awesome part about our virtual reality training and three D videos that we have kicked off is that it came out of a need that we found at ConExpo. So what happened was we we were one of, I think, 50 vendors, maybe even less, chosen to be in the innovation corner at ConExpo, and as you know, largest construction expo in the world. Um, comes around every three years in Vegas. So we had to come up with a way to showcase autonomous technology without demoing autonomous technology, because the booth space is, you know, is only 10 by 10. So <laughs> what happened was, we ended up working with a vendor out of London who we got connected with our, our the company that we're working with in London with the autonomous truck. Um, they said, you need to talk to this virtual reality organization. So we ended up talking to them, and they created a virtual reality 
experience for us that Con Expo attendees could put that headset on and understand the danger of the driver's job in a, in a TMA truck. So construction owners would put on the headset and they we'd take it off and they'd say, you know, what do you think in the autonomous experience? And they go, oh, yeah, I totally get that. When it's commercially available, let us know. But do you have this for sale? Because our how we train our guys is so unbelievably dangerous on the highway. And I'm talking simple procedures like flagging or setting a cone, how to close a lane off. You think about how do I go and practice real life where a car is three inches from me going 50 miles an hour and I'm a flagger. These organizations are having really tough times, not only training, because you have to kind of understand the real-world situation of it, but if you've got someone that wasn't listening in the classroom, he's not a text-based learner, but he's a visual learner, and then he's out on the highway holding the flag, there's a lot involved with the stop and the go and talking to your coworkers out there. So we started to get all of this, and our organization prides itself on innovation and providing things that our customers need. So we came back and ended up starting through Fred's relationship, speaking with departments of transportation on, you know, what kind of dangerous situations do you guys have and what do you need built? So we've heard everything from the snowplow operations out in Colorado uh, to, you know, maintenance of bridges in New York City. So it's really exciting right now because when you put that headset on, you're in the virtual world and you're able to train on something where someone would usually be, you know, 20 stories up in the sky learning how to fix the bridge, uh, that memory retention is through the roof. So when they're out there, they actually feel like, you know what, my muscle memory remembers this. Visually, I remember doing this, and it becomes almost that second nature after you come out of that virtual reality world, which I know you've done your homework, Ben. This is why companies are going this direction for training purposes specifically. Well, yeah, it makes absolutely perfect sense. I mean, um, you look at any you know field of expertise outside of the construction industry. You look at you know uh, a, a musician or a, a sports player. Or um, they they practice the movements over and over and over again, and they practice the movements in a three dimensional space, and then they go out and they perform those movements. You know, you don't have any musicians who read a book about how to play music and then it, are expected right. to perform, you know, the next day in a, um orchestra. You know, it's, it's, right. <laughs> it's a silly idea. Right. Um, but when we look at the construction industry, that's exactly what we expect, except in the, the, the rare cases of, you know, uh, apprenticeship programs. And even then you are learning on the job sure. uh, in a high-stress situation. Right, and there's another aspect to it too. Besides, it's more environmental, situational, because it puts the person out there doing this repetitive job, but it makes him aware of the traffic whizzing by, the uh, the situation where he will actually be working. And this this can even be used as a pre-screening tool for DOTs for cone setting guys to see what it's really like putting out cones when you have tractor trailers going by you two feet away. So it's uh, it's a good pre-qualifier in a way. Well, and the retention rate is actually, you know, quite incredible as well. They're looking at like a, over an 80% retention rate for the things that people are learning within virtual reality um, to the point now where they're actually having, you know, surgeons 
using virtual reality to kind of increase that learning curve uh, by, by, by quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, you've got UPS using virtual reality to teach drivers, you know, dropping off packages. So it's like, <laughs> this is, it's the industry, it's where it's going. And amazingly enough, the technology right now is at a price point. I mean, our programs are at a price point that are affordable for construction organizations. But also what we've heard is the utilization of virtual reality just in the recruiting process alone. So if someone's going to put the headset on and they go into virtual reality, let's say on interview number two, then the guy takes off the headset and goes, whoa, I didn't realize the cars were so close to me as I was holding the flag. You know what? I'm good. How much money and time and energy does that save? <laughs> you know, when that guy quits on day four and you're like, seriously? So it is just not only a huge money saver, it's just safer. And people, you, you try to be as honest as you can in interviews. Um, but when you, when you have a job where you're going to be using your hands and using your muscles and it's dangerous, why wouldn't you just show them now, you know, and, and get the truth out there? Mm-hmm. Well, and this is this is also just a really exciting launch pad for a lot of other technologies as well. Um, so before we move on, though, are, are there any other – you're talking about snow plows. Are there any other major areas that you're looking at creating virtual reality training programs? Yeah, so the other major one, and this is so simple, but we're going to roll it out soon, is, you know, I don't know if there's like a coin term in the industry, but it is the initial truck inspection. So what we've learned is that a lot of people for these medium-duty trucks, you have to do these kind of like OSHA-required inspections of the trucks, mm -hmm. and it's pretty detailed, and you have to do it every single day, and a lot of of workers are not remembering everything in the check or they just don't do it because they don't remember or they're just checking things off and all of a sudden you're out and you know the brakes were loose or something what you know did go wrong and so doing a which we have our initial demo of a virtual reality of a truck inspection to go through that it sounds simple but it's such a need right now so we're we're almost ready to roll that one out yeah and and this is actually perfect for ongoing uh, training as well because it is so so small and compact and you can ship it anywhere and um, you know people can put it on at the end of the day and and yep. have that renewal training going on while you're still out there is is really uh, really key. Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, it's it's crazy. The other day, I think I was in Target. I was just telling my team mm -hmm. I passed this section over by where the cell phones are and all that stuff. And I look over, and it was forty nine ninety nine, and it's how to build your own augmented reality world. I'm like, what? It's a kit you can buy for your kids. I'm like, oh, my God. I mean, this is where it's going. Like, I have a 20-month-old, and I am guaranteeing you when he turns six, like, he will already have built augmented reality in his school or in his daycare or something. Like, it is wild. Yeah, and, 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 and so that, that does bring me to the next point, which is virtual reality really is the, the building block for a lot of uh, really exciting technology that I hope will be, be hitting our industry pretty soon. Um, you have the augmented reality, right? Without the virtual reality, you don't know what the computer's seen, so augmented reality becomes a lot more difficult. With virtual reality, we know what the computer's seen, we know how to interact with it. And so then we can expand into augmented reality and, you know, performance measurements and, um, you know, robotics and all these other kinds of things. There's, you know, 
a lot of people moving from robotics to virtual reality because it is really the uh, um, the core of all these technologies. Uh, are, 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 are any of these technologies you kind of in your, your peripheral or are you keeping an eye on any of them? Or is there any of them that you want to kind of look to expand to in the future? Uh, right now we're keeping our eye on, I don't know if you've heard of this, but it's actually virtual reality within your cell phone. So when you hold up your cell phone, it turns it into an experience for you. So, um, you know, there's other things right now also with the training with, with your cell phone, you set it on your desk, you press a button, and all of a sudden on your conference room table is that world. Yeah. So your team is now interacting with that world that just, you know, is on your conference room table. And obviously for surgeons and things like that, you know, press a button and now the guy that just got hit by a truck, let's, you know, fix his leg, he's laying on the table. For construction zones, you know, now you have a work zone that's laid out in your training room that guys can now be in, and all they're doing is putting on glasses. You know, so what we're seeing is we're following this trend what, in our industry specifically, so we want to keep in our niche of um, highway construction, is we want to make it simple, we want to make it transportable, because all of our organizations either have multiple locations across the country, or they're moving operations, so their guys are going to be in one spot at one time, and they might be in the south end of Florida, you know, the next week, so it needs to be mobile. So that's where that's what we've got our eye on now, and and what we're looking to next. Well, that's definitely one thing I want to see is uh, you know there is a lot of uh, virtual chat rooms now, where you mm-hmm. can have you know multiple people in this virtual space together, and they can do you know have avatars or whatever, and, and they have these fun chat. Um, but to have maybe a three D image of the the location that you're meeting at or the location that you're working at. And be able to put uh, virtual uh, GPS markers in certain areas, and have the the project manager meeting from, you know, his location with the the DOT guy still at the uh, DOT office, and the traffic safety guy and the paint you know marker guy all coming from different locations without having to spend, you know, that the the 14 hours of uh, of commute time overall for all the different people involved, all the high level people involved. Uh, I think that would be a real money saver, and, and um, it would be pretty exciting. Um, I will say I don't know if it's going to be a money saver yet. It's, the technology is a little expensive. It's going to go down the next five years, but I, I, I can guarantee that it is going to be safer and there's going to be less accidents. I mean, it is astronomical when you look at the rates when someone has trained in virtual reality and is out in the work zone versus someone who hasn't. It's amazing. So it's just it's going to be exciting, and organizations that can catch up with that uh, technology are going to obviously have better, you know, safety numbers first. But as that technology gets more affordable, more affordable, more affordable, it's going to be like every single thing in our industry right now, which is just education. You just want to make sure they're not scared of the new technology and that it's easy to learn. So that's going to be an interesting thing to watch. How are people going to educate? on, you know, it's not fearful to use this new technology, but look at what it can do for you. So that value proposition, it's going to be interesting to hear how people roll that out. Yeah, the the industry is a little bit behind the the consumer curve, it seems like, as far as just adoption and and level of, you know, being comfortable with the technology. Uh, Right, and look at the industry that it is. You've got an industry of fleets of, of people that are, you know, right out of school, right onto the highway. 
So mm -hmm. it's a different type of industry and a different type of way that you're presenting it to the audience um, that has to be kind of unfearful. But it's it's coming, and it's the, the conversation is now much more prevalent than it was even three years ago when we started talking about this. Yeah. One last thing I have to mention, I tried to look it up to make sure I was getting my fats straight beforehand, but uh, there have been some really interesting studies as well with the new virtual reality technology of looking at the way people move. So um, this has been going on forever in the sports realm of how to perfect the um, your, your batting swing or you know looking at these isolated movements. Uh, for football players, it's you know throwing the football, it's catching the football, it's um, blocking, it's looking at these small isolated movements and seeing how they can be improved and really brought to their pinnacle. And this, they they actually just started doing this with uh, uh, mortar and brick lane, and they found that the the way that they've been teaching everybody actually creates a lot more impact on the joints. So like the straight back lifting and a lot of uh, the, the traditional thought is a lot of like straight um, movements and they found that the the veterans that have been doing this for forever do a lot more swing movements and there's a lot less impact on their joints and they are you know 30 to 50 times percent more efficient in in doing the work and um, I, I, I think that as virtual reality progresses, it's not the point right now, but I think that as virtual reality progresses, this can be something that is inherent and um, will be kind of automatic in presenting these different type of training seminars. It's not just telling you what to do and where to go, but actually um, helping you understand what what is the most efficient way to move and how how can you prevent injury while actually increasing your productivity. And all that to me is just extremely exciting to be able to really start reaching the, the, the pinnacle of performance. Wow, Ben, that is super cool. <laughs> I'm loving the bricklayer thing. I mean, that is so interesting to me because not a little bit off topic, but our owner, Rob, and he preaches this all the time. We have this basket on the back of one of our trucks. We call it a cone setting truck. And it's hydraulic. And the only reason that that basket became hydraulic was because he was hearing on the street from his clients and customers that they were, they were putting in um, workers' comp claims because they have all this lower back pain. Like they're now going to the chiropractor and they're going to this, they're going to – and they found it because of the movement of picking up the barrel, because the basket was in a set position and it was high off the ground so it didn't hit the bumps and it did it, they were bending over to just a little too far – and it was all that, that pressure on that joint was all these workers' comp claims. It was like the number one thing that they were getting. So the owner comes back, it took about a year, but we now have a hydraulic basket just because of what you just mentioned from the bricklayers. And that basket can lower like up to 12 inches off the ground, which is pretty low. So they're, they're kind of swinging now to pick that up as opposed to straight lifting. So that is really fascinating to me. I love that stuff too. Yeah, I think there's just so much potential in this field, and we're really just um, starting to see what is is, is possible in, in, in the virtual reality space. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm really excited to see Love the it. things that are coming, and I'm really excited for what you guys are doing right now and uh, making this technology available. Um, so 
before we go, where, where can people find you? Uh, where can people uh, keep, keep abreast with what you guys are doing? Sure. So we have a sister company now called Royal Innovative Solutions. And this company now, we have a direct account manager named Jessica Roy. And our owner's daughter has actually kind of taken over this organization to grow our innovative products, you know, mainly our virtual reality. We have a smart, you know, truck-mounted generator. We have all these things that are kind of like next level in our industry. So RoyalInnovativeSolutions.com, they'll learn all about the virtual reality. Uh, you'll see a little bit on RoyalTruckAndEquipment.com, but the autonomous truck is housed within Royal Truck and Equipment. And on our website, there is an ATMA tab. You can follow what's going on, seeing the latest news. Um, and at any time, Fred Bergstresser, I mean, he's all over LinkedIn. You can find him. You can literally message him, ask him direct questions about uh, the autonomous truck as well. He'll get right back to you. Well, excellent, guys. I really appreciate all your time, and uh, I hope that we can actually meet again here in the future. Fred's yeah, everywhere, like so you're probably going to see him all over the place. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Reroute Safety Podcast. Uh, please do leave us a review, especially on iTunes. It helps us out a lot. Just uh, tell us what you think and add five stars. If you are new to the podcast, please do check out some of our previous episodes. The one with uh, Scott McCannon and Steve Kites. There's some really good ones there, some good information. And uh, I'm Ben Jeffrey. Until next time, stay safe. <laughs>